But enough of the day job. Uh, I am just pleased to share with you on this Father's Day and on your church anniversary. And I never imagined I would get such a wonderful gift. So thank you. Thank you very much. It reminds me of Paddington Bear's suitcase. So thank you. But I've tried to make a connection between Father's Day and anniversaries, but all I could come up with is the fact that typically fathers are rubbish at remembering anniversaries. Uh, my dad, he just recently, he contacted my wife to ask her how old I was. <laughs> and he did this in order to be able to calculate when I was born so that he could work out how long he had known his friend. And you know, the real trouble is that I will be and sort of already am going the same way. So, But I'm going to come back to Father's Day a little bit later on because in this sermon I really just want to tell you three stories that come from the Bible. And these three stories are connected together by one uh, simple truth. And this is what I want you to take away this morning. Simply this, God gives the increase. And for you as a church, for you as individuals, I want this to be an encouragement to you as you give yourselves to God, just as we have done in communion a moment ago. God gives the increase. And so we're going to listen to two of the passages from the Bible from which these stories emerge, and Helen is going to read them to us. Thank you. Um, So the first reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 9. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, for as people you are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere humans? What after all is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants, nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants, and the one who waters, have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their labour. For we are fellow workers in God's service, and you are God's field, God's building. And the second reading is when I can get my talk amongst yourselves. Okay, it's from Acts. Um, and Acts chapter four, verses thirty two to thirty seven. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had a need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money 
and put it at the apostles' feet. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, we do give you thanks for this church and for all those who over the last 184 years have loved Jesus. Thank you for those who have sought to follow his ways and deeply desired to listen to his word. And we pray that as we, in a sense, sit in their place today, that you would give us that same heart and mind that desires you, that desires to hear from you, and desires to do the things you tell us to do. And so please, as we reflect on these passages of your holy word, give us insight and speak to our hearts and minds. For this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Once upon a time, there was a man called Paul who went to Corinth. And it was a big, bustling, important, cosmopolitan port city. And he went there and he told people about Jesus. He argued from the Bible that Jesus was God's chosen one who had opened up the way of salvation. And some people, they thought, yes. And they became Christians. And some people thought, no. And they persecuted Paul. But the church in Corinth was born. Well, Paul moved on elsewhere, and while he was gone, another Christian called Apollos came to Corinth. And Apollos was really smart. He was one of these clever types who was very well-spoken, who knew his Bible incredibly well, and was able to argue with anybody about the truth of God's plan in Jesus. And the people in the church in Corinth, they were impressed. And some of them said, you know, I like this Apollos. And some of them said, yeah, he's good, but I like Paul. And others said, well, Apollos, he knows the scriptures really well. And so others said, well, Paul knows the scriptures even better. He knows them so well, we can't even understand what he's talking about. And so some of them said, well, people listen to Apollos. And so the others said, well, Paul founded the church. And so some of them said, well, Apollos is named after a god. Paul? That just means short. And so the others said, uh, well, Apollos is really stinky. And there was the Apollos fan club, and there was the Paul fan club, and the church was divided. This, of course, is pretty much what we heard in our reading a moment ago from 1 Corinthians. How foolish! You just can't imagine the same sort of thing happening today, can you? You know the old joke, I suppose, about the Welshman stranded on a desert island, and when he's eventually rescued, his rescuers are amazed at the things he's built from the wood on the island. There's a, a wooden hut. Well, that's where I lived, he said. And there's a, a little dam with, with a waterfall pool. Well, that's where I bathed each day, the man said. And there's a wooden building with a cross on it, and that's where I worshipped, he said. But, said his rescuers, um, why are there two buildings with crosses on? Oh, said the Welshman. Well, that's the chapel that I went to. And the other one, well, that's the chapel that I didn't go to. Yes, exactly. We have a history in Wales of being divided 
in the church. And perhaps there were good reasons for that at one time, but those days are over. The church in Wales is in such a parlous state that we can no longer afford to be Apollos people or Paul people or whoever else people. I mean, I'm a Baptist not by accident, but because when I was a child and visiting my grandparents up in Bangor, we would go along to the local Baptist church that they worshipped in each Sunday. And I saw in the young people who were part of that church a relationship with God and a commitment to the faith and a knowledge of the Bible I certainly never had. And so when I became a Christian, I said, well, where do I want to be? Where do I want to go? And I thought, well, I want to be in a church that produces people like that. But do I think that the Baptists have all the answers? Please, God, I hope not. Because if we do, the church is in big trouble. But we have got something to contribute, a gift to give to the rest of the church. And so does the church in Wales down the road. And so does the Pentecostal church in Newport. And so does the Roman Catholic church, the community church, the Salvation Army, and the Coptic church. Each has a gift to bring. And it may not be much. That little chapel in Abernant, it may not be much. But then it's not about us. Because how does Paul respond to the Apollos camp and the Paul camp in Corinth? We heard it in our reading. He said, what after all is Apollos? And what after all is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. That's the Lord is assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. In the authorised version of the Bible, which is the one that I tend to quote from for some reason, it sort of sticks in my mind, it has the words, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And on this 184th church anniversary, don't celebrate what a great church you are. It's true, but that's not the point. Celebrate, well, that what you give as a church, what you give of your lives, of your fellowship, of your ministries, whether it's little or much, celebrate that God takes it and God multiplies it and God gives the increase. On this church anniversary, what gift does your church have to offer to others that God might give the increase? That's the first story. Here's the second it's not long after Pentecost, not long after the Holy Spirit has been poured out on those first Christians and the church has begun, and everything's going well in the church in Jerusalem. Uh, they share a common vision of who they are, what they do. They share a common understanding of the teaching of Jesus, a common experience of the work of the Holy Spirit. It's just like one of your church meetings. I thought people would laugh at that point, but maybe it is the case that that's what your church meetings are like. They share their very lives so much that there is no one needy among them, as our reading from Acts said. And in this church, there was a man called Joseph. He was uh, Jewish, but he came from Cyprus. And being a Jew in Jerusalem, but coming from Cyprus, was a bit like living in Cardiff but supporting Newport. 
People will put up with you, but they'll definitely regard you as an outsider. And Joseph notices that different people in the church, they lead the prayers. But I can't pray, he says to himself. He notices that different people, they read from the scriptures in public. Well, I couldn't stand up in front of others, he thinks. And he notices that the apostles, they go out and they proclaim Jesus on the streets. Well, I could never do that, he reassures himself. And as time goes on, he feels more and more like an outsider and wonders if there's a place in the church for him. What do I have to offer, he thinks. All I've got is a stinking field. Stinking because it's so waterlogged that nothing will grow in it except mud. I'm making this bit up, but you can imagine. But Joseph has got eyes, and he notices there are more poor people in the church than there were. People are attracted by the message of Jesus, which tells them that God is for them, that he loves them, that he wants them. They've never heard that before. But there are such practical needs. People, they need food, they need clothes, they need shelter. And they've all heard Jesus' parable that reminds the Christians that they're supposed to care for others. What can they do? And Joseph looks about him and he sees the need. And he looks about him and he thinks of his field and he sells it. And he brings the money to the apostles and they distribute it to all those who were in need. Joseph planted, not in his field, but with his field. Joseph planted, the apostles watered, but God gave the increase. The increase is certainly seen in the, the lives of the people who are helped by the money gained from Joseph selling his field, but it's more than that. Because did you notice that although Joseph is his name, it's not the name that he's known by. The Christians, they call him something else. They call him Barnabas. And Barnabas means son of encouragement. What a wonderful nickname that would be to have. Because the increase is not only seen in the lives of the others who Joseph's generous act encourages, but also in his own life. As he goes from being an outsider on the edge of the church to being the very example of encouragement in the midst of the first church. That's the work of God. Joseph planted, the apostles watered, but God gave the increase. And if we're ever wondering, well, what can we do to bring help to others? What seeds have we got to plant? Well, don't worry if it's not something big or upfront or kind of famous. Take what you've got and bring it to God. And let God grow it in the lives of other people as well as in your life too. So a second question on this church anniversary. What seed do you have to plant? that God might give the increase. A third story. And this story is much more familiar because it's in all four of the Gospels and so we didn't read it out together. And I also left it until last because I didn't want you to start thinking about your lunch too soon. Because Jesus has been teaching his disciples and many, many others along with them. But just like this sermon, Jesus has been going on a bit long. 
It's evening now and, and people have missed their tea. The disciples, they've been watching the sun go down as Jesus goes on and on and on and their tummies have been rumbling for some time and so they say to Jesus, Jesus, send the people away so that they go to the nearby villages and they can buy something to eat. There's bound to be a spa or something. And Jesus says to them, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. And the disciples, they discuss it among themselves and they say, well, uh, look, Matthew's got a five-pound note and I've got, well... I've got 28p, and, and Judas, he's got a 100-pound note, but um, it isn't legal tender anymore. And uh, there are 5,000 men and women and children. We can't even get a happy meal for that. What have we got then? Well, I've got my special sandwiches that my mother makes. I'm not giving those up. Well, what are they, Peter? You know, it's uh, specially cured bacon. Uh, no, he was Jewish. It's falafel, falafel. We need another plan. So the disciples, they went out into the crowds to find some help. And all the disciples find, according to John's gospel, is a young boy who was about to tuck into the packed tea that he very sensibly had brought with him. And in spite of the ridiculousness, complete ridiculousness of the situation, they encourage him to bring his food to Jesus. And he's got five loaves and two fish. Jesus, uh, look, I'm sorry, but this is the best we could do. And Jesus, he takes the food, he looks up to heaven, he gives thanks to God, he breaks the bread, and it's distributed to the people, and everyone ate, and everyone was satisfied, and they pick up 12 baskets full of leftovers. It's just a wonderful story, isn't it? And we do remember uh, the crowd, the 5,000, the boy, the, the food, the miracle. But what about the disciples? It was they who saw the potential in what the boy had. It was they who encouraged the boy to believe that he had something to give. It was they who actually brought the boy to Jesus. It was they who had the faith to believe that Jesus could do something amazing with so little. You see, in this case, the boy planted, the disciples watered, but God gave the increase. Because there are three people in this equation. There's God, the only one who can really make the difference. There's the giver, the person who's willing to give even what little they have to God. But there's also the waterer. The person who's bothered enough to see potential. Who's humble enough to allow somebody else to be the giver. And who believes enough to allow God to work. So what role could you have as a waterer? Who could you encourage to see the seed that they already have to plant? Who could you share something of your faith with that they too might believe that God can give the increase? Three stories from three different parts of the New Testament, but each with the same message. God gives the increase. I said at the start that I was going to make a connection between this message on your church anniversary and Father's Day, and I was going to tell you another story, but then yesterday I found a version of this story on video, and here it is. Where's Tommy? 
I thought he was with you. No. Jack. Tommy? Go get him. In the version of the story I know, the pianist is the boy's father who comes in and takes the basic and simple gift that the boy brings and he turns it into something beautiful. And notice he doesn't take away from what the boy does. He doesn't say, get away from the piano, I can do a much better job. No, he gives the increase. That's what a good father does. And on this Father's Day, I want us all to realize that actually we have a good father. A father who loves us and longs to work with us, to take that little that we bring and make it into something beautiful. Not to push us aside as if we don't matter. Not to push us down because we're not much good and not even to berate us because we haven't done better but to be in relationship with us where we grow and where what we bring grows because God gives the increase. So three questions for you on this church anniversary. What gift does your church have to offer to others that God might give the increase? For each of us, what seed do you have to plant? What do you have to bring, no matter how little, that God might give the increase? And how could you help to water somebody else's gift, to encourage them in giving and believing that God might give the increase? In a moment, during the singing of our last song, I'm going to pass around a box. And in this box are a load of sunflower seeds. And I'd like you to take one. And I'm no gardener, but I think even I can do this. Take it, stick it in some soil, and water it. And if, for anybody, it comes up during... August, maybe September, as a beautiful, impressive sunflower, take a photograph and let's share it with one another as a reminder of this incredible truth. God gives the increase. And if there are any left over, you might want to pass them on to children who are outside now. For together, as we give our lives to God, as we encourage one another, we seek and we pray and we believe that God will give the increase. Let's say these words 
all together. I planted and you watered, but God gave the increase. You planted and I watered, but God gave the increase. We planted and we watered, but God gave the increase. Let's pray. Lord, for the person who doesn't think they have anything to give, for the person who's been knocked back by discouragement from others, for the person who has had their faith dashed when things didn't work out as they'd hoped, well, for each one, draw close to reassure us of your love as our perfect Father, Open our eyes to see what you see and plant within us new faith to believe your promises. Help us all to give of ourselves, to encourage others to give and to trust you for the increase. Bless this church as they seek to give their gift to others and to receive the gifts of others. Help us not to focus on ourselves simply building our own kingdoms but help us to turn our attention to you, the only one who gives the increase. And today, perhaps there are those who are just taking their first steps with you, maybe even taking bread and wine today for the first time. Well, may you increase their love and their joy and their faith that they may find you to be the perfect Father who works in us and through us to turn what little we give into something beautiful and something good for the world. And this we pray in the name of Jesus, the giver and the gift. Amen.